Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Good afternoon, evening, or morning. This is your old Uncle Mosh with Raiders Fan Radio, and you are in for a treat. Sit back and get ready to listen to one of the most insanely knowledgeable people you will ever meet talk about our beloved Raiders. Another episode coming your way of Silver and Black Flashback by Rich Schmelter, the author of the Raiders Encyclopedia. Thank you so much, Uncle Mosh, for that awesome intro. Damn, I love it more and more each time I hear it. And I hope to continue earning that praise you give me. And never to be left out is my man Murph, the undisputed king of all Raider podcasts. Thank you so much for the great opportunity you give me to be a part of Raiders Fan Radio. I just love it so. And I also love the chance to be a part of a network that helps out so many through the One Nation Foundation that benefits Raiders-related charities. And to all my silver and black brothers and sisters around the world, I am proud as hell to bring you stories of the people and moments that help make our Raiders history so damn glorious. So, all right, Raider Nation, let's get going on our time together with this episode of Silver and Black Flashback. This week, we are going to L.A., baby! For the Battle of Los Angeles. So hop in your convertible like my man Bruce and his movie star wife Janine did a few years back and travel up Pacific Coast Highway with some Beach Boys songs blaring out. Can't have any examples of that here, folks. Major copyright problems. And I will not sing any because, well, my singing voice totally sucks. So enough about setting the tone. Let's get on with the show. The city of Los Angeles has long been a hotbed of outstanding football dating back to the 1920s. On the college level, there is the classic USC-UCLA rivalry for control of citywide bragging rights where those stories could fill up many hours of discussion. And on the professional level, the Rams of the NFL and the Dons of the All-America Football Conference battled it out for fan support in the last four years of the 1940s. And in 1960, the Rams had to share the city's attention with the AFL's Chargers for one season in 1960 before they headed off to San Diego for many years. But once again, much discussion could be said about those teams. But not here. Why? Because it does not include our beloved Raiders. So let's get serious about the day the new arrivals to Los Angeles, our beloved Raiders, took on the well-entrenched Los Angeles Rams for supremacy in the City of Angels, which was the first time in professional football history that two teams based in L.A. faced each other. 
This classic matchup had its beginnings on July 25, 1978, when Rams owner Carol Rosenblum announced that he was moving his team out of the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum and heading 30 miles south to Anaheim. And this left a huge void for over 7 million Los Angeles residents that enjoyed Rams football at the Coliseum since 1946. It was then that the amazing Al Davis came to the city's rescue after announcing that he wanted to move his Raiders to L.A. And within four years following Rosenblum's announcement, and after much time spent in court battles over his decision to move, Mr. Davis was ready to showcase his band of badasses from their new location in Los Angeles starting with the 1982 season. The schedule makers jumped at the chance to feature the new residents of the Coliseum against its former tenants. And so, on Saturday, December 18, 1982, the Raiders and Rams were set to play in the first-ever professional football Battle of Los Angeles. And before we get into the actual game, this matchup, at first, did not seem to spark all that much interest. But the end results did prove to be so popular that according to Raider Media Guides, it became the first million-dollar gate in NFL history. Oh yeah, pro football loved L.A. And Raider Nation, this game turned out to be a major classic. Plus, as an added bonus, there was a fair share of pushing and punching going on between the teams. So much so, in fact, that the Raiders gave up five first downs and 120 yards just on penalties. But that was nothing out of the ordinary for the Raiders of this time. With a player strike in 1982 shortening the season to only nine regular season games, the public was starving for professional football to finally resolve its differences, and after two months of the season being lost, the NFL returned in late November and by December 18th, a fever pitch was brewing around L.A. about the Rams coming back to the Coliseum to face the Raiders, who were the elite of the American Football Conference with a 5-1 record. And meanwhile, the Rams were a dismal 1-5 after just three years removed from appearing in the Super Bowl. With hazy skies hovering over the L.A. Coliseum and temperatures at 70 degrees, the Raiders hosted the Rams one week before Christmas in 1982, with a crowd of 65,776 in attendance that were booing the Rams and cheering the Raiders throughout the game. The Rams won the coin toss and elected to receive. Chris Barr kicked off and Barry Redden received the kick two yards deep in the end zone and took off on an 85-yard return before Calvin Muhammad stopped him on the Raider 17. Six plays later, Wendell Tyler ran off the right guard spot for a touchdown. Mike Lansford added the extra point, and with only 3.25 expired from the clock, the Rams were up 7-0. And it was following Tyler's score that punches flew for the first time as safety Mike Davis and Rams guard Dennis Hara started swinging at each other in the end zone. Other impressive fights came when Howie Long, a former boxing champion in college, got into it with offensive tackle Jackie Slater, and cornerback Ted Watts and guard Kent Hill battled it out. And never to be left out in any fracas was wild man Lyle Alzado. And he was going after, well, anyone wearing a Rams jersey until Rams quarterback Vince Ferragamo was brave enough to actually step in front of wild Lyle in an attempt to calm things down. Well, it seemed that people came to see a football game but got a bit of boxing added for their price of admission. 
Following the ensuing kickoff after Tyler's score, Greg Pruitt set the Raiders up on their own 23-yard line with the return. The Raiders were only able to advance the ball to their own 34 in six plays before Ray Guy punted on fourth down. With 7.41 left in the first quarter, the Rams took over on offense, and four plays and 32 yards later, Wendell Tyler once again found his way into the end zone, this time after catching an 18-yard pass from Ferragamo. Lansford's extra point then gave the Rams some breathing room with a 14-0 lead heading into the second quarter. With 12 seconds left in the opening quarter, the Raiders got possession back after both teams did little over the course of two possessions apiece. On the final play of the first quarter, from the Raider 20, rookie sensation Marcus Allen ran up the middle for a gain of 15 yards to give the Silver and Black some momentum heading into the next 15 minutes. Starting off the second quarter from the Raider 35, Plunkett threw a 19-yard pass to Malcolm Barnwell and followed that up with a 7-yard pass to Cliff Branch. And quickly, the Raiders were on the Ram 39. It then got a little bit ugly for our Raiders when Kenny King lost a yard trying to run off left tackle and Jim Plunkett slipped and was sacked for a loss of 9 more yards. But on that play, the Rams were called for being offside and the Raiders got a new set of downs at the Ram 35. Plunkett decided to try for the end zone, but a pass intended for King was incomplete. And Henry Lawrence was also called for holding, and that pushed the Raiders back to the Ram 45. On first and 20, Plunkett connected on a pass to tight end Todd Christensen that got the ball to the Ram 26. That big gain by Christensen was followed by Marcus Allen running up the middle for eight more yards. And finally, with the ball on the two-yard line, Plunkett connected for a touchdown with Cliff Branch in the left corner of the end zone to finish off an eight-play, 80-yard drive with 11 minutes and 15 seconds still left in the second quarter. Barr's extra point then cut the Rams' lead in half at 14-7. With 16 seconds left in the first half, Vince Ferragamo capped off a six-play, 52-yard drive with a six-yard scoring toss to Preston Denard, and Lansford's conversion took the Rams into the locker room for halftime, up by a 21-7 score. That touchdown was set up when Mike Davis was penalized for hitting Mike Gooman, who was very much out of bounds when he got blasted by Davis, after he gained four yards to the Raider 13. The penalty gave the Rams a first and goal at the six, and Denard's touchdown catch came on the very next play. Heading off to the locker room, it looked like our Raiders were getting dominated, not dominating like they were used to. And Jim Plunkett was having a tough day. For the first half alone, he only completed 7 out of 13 pass attempts for 104 yards and was sacked twice and intercepted three times and would also suffer a fourth interception in the second half. The second half got underway with the Raiders receiving the kickoff, which Clee Montgomery returned to his own 38-yard line. But the Raiders were only able to hold on to possession for four plays before Guy had to punt. The Rams did not fare much better in their opening possession of the second half as their advance was stopped in three quick plays that only took close to a minute and a half off the clock. With 12.20 left in the third quarter, the Raiders started a drive on the Ram 43 following Greg Pruitt's 13-yard punt return. Despite losing 20 yards on offensive penalties, the Raiders forged ahead with a 12-play, 43-yard drive that ended with Marcus Allen going off right tackle on third down and into the end zone from one yard out with just over seven minutes remaining in the third quarter. 
Chris Barr added the extra point, and once again, the Raiders were down by seven at 21-14. The remaining seven minutes of the third quarter saw neither team score. The Raiders did have a great opportunity to score with two minutes and 50 seconds left and with the ball on the Ram 12, but a Plunkett pass intended for Christensen was intercepted. After holding the Rams on their next possession, John Misko punted from deep in his own territory. The kick went out of bounds at midfield with 22 seconds left. Frank Hawkins carried for one yard to the Ram 49, and the time ran out in the quarter. Okay, Raider Nation, get ready for the fourth quarter. Now, remember when I said earlier that our Raiders were getting dominated and not doing the dominating? Well, all that changed as the final 15 minutes of this game rolled along. On the first offensive series of the fourth quarter, the Raiders went 50 yards in five plays, and Chris Barr capped the drive off with a 24-yard field goal to make it a 21-17 score. With 12.43 left in the game, Barr surprised the Rams with an onside kick that he recovered himself at the Raider 46. It had been discussed by the Raiders to try the onside kick. After seeing in film studies that the Rams' front group on kickoff returns dropped back to block on the return. So all Barr had to do was send a dribbler kick into the open area. The plan worked perfectly, and the Raiders drove 54 yards in 10 plays, mostly with runs up the middle by Allen, Pruitt, and Hawkins. And on fourth and goal from the one-yard line, Marcus Allen dove over the goal line for the go-ahead touchdown, and following Barr's extra point, the Raiders had their first lead of the game, 24-21, to with 7 minutes and 33 seconds left in the game. Possession was quickly turned back over to the Raiders, 25 seconds after Allen's score, when Matt Millen intercepted a Ferragamo pass on the Ram 28, and he returned it 17 yards up the middle of the field to the Ram 11. After two carries by Allen netted four yards, Plunkett passed on third down to a wide-open Greg Pruitt for a six-yard touchdown. Barr's extra point kick sailed wide left, but the Raiders then had a 30-21 advantage with five minutes and 45 seconds to go. And after this score, the crowd began chanting, Rams go home! That's great, but the Rams didn't seem to want to go home just yet. They then went 82 yards on nine plays, with Ferragamo scoring on a quarterback sneak from the one-yard line, and with Lansford's extra point, the Rams closed the gap to 30-28 to with 4 minutes and 19 seconds left. The Ram defense held the Raiders on their next possession, and after only 5 plays, the ball was back in Ferragamo's hands on the Ram 28 with 2.25 showing on the clock. Helped by a 15-yard roughing penalty on cornerback Lester the Judge Hayes against rookie receiver George Farmer on the sideline, the Rams found themselves at the Raider 27 at the two-minute warning. Lester Hayes seemed so proud of his assault on Farmer because he said he was tired of listening to the rookie complaining all game long. Damn, I love our Raiders. On fourth and two, Lansford kicked a 36-yard field goal with one minute and 38 seconds left in the game to give the Rams a slim 31-30 lead. The Raiders remained confident, even with time not on their side. So confident was Matt Millen that he made a $5 bet with two Ram offensive linemen that the Raiders were going to win. Hey, I wonder if he ever got his money. Millen was also proud of his swollen right hand from throwing a few punches during the afternoon. Yep, a lot of fighting and pushing, and the Raiders loved every minute of it. 
Greg Pruitt took Lansford's kickoff at the goal line and returned it 43 yards up the middle. Passes from Jim Plunkett to Marcus Allen, Cliff Branch, and Malcolm Barnwell got the Raiders to the Ram 25 with 40 seconds left. Allen then ran a sweep to the left for a gain of 14, and on the next play, Allen once again ran a sweep to the left, and this time, he dove into the end zone to complete his 11-yard scoring run. The five-play, 57-yard drive was capped off by Barr, adding the extra point to give the Raiders a 37-31 lead with just 29 seconds left. A pair of incomplete passes by Ferragamo ended the game, and our Raiders were conquerors of Los Angeles in the first of four meetings with the Rams until both teams left the area in 1995. And by the way, in those four meetings, our Raiders won three of them. The incredible Cliff Branch finished off this wild event with five receptions for 128 yards and one touchdown. This marked the 22nd time in his career that Branch went over 100 yards on his receptions in a single game, which gave him a new team record. Jim Plunkett rallied back from a tough first half by finishing with 22 completions out of 34 attempts for 321 yards and a pair of touchdown passes. And superstar rookie Marcus Allen ran the ball 25 times for 93 yards and three touchdowns and also caught eight passes for 61 yards while well on his way to winning Rookie of the Year honors. And on defense, Matt Millen led the Raiders with eight solo tackles and added one interception to his impressive day. The Raiders finished this strike-shortened season with an American Football Conference best 8-1 record. After beating the Cleveland Browns 27-10 in the first round of the playoffs, the Raiders fell to the New York Jets 17-14 in the second round. And as for the Rams, they finished with an NFC worst 2-7 record. Well, that wraps up our time together on Silver and Black Flashback. And before closing out this show, I want to give out some birthday wishes to major fans of the show, Josh H. and Matt. Hope your birthdays were as awesome as you guys are. And now, some respect goes out to my Malibu posse of many years, Nikki, Karen, Donna, and Diane. Thanks for all the great times and laughs on the Golden Coast and introducing me to tequila all those years ago. You are all still awesome, but hell, you already knew that. And with that, I will close out our time together, like I always do, with the words I embrace each and every day. So, until the next time we all get back together once again, here it comes, and say it with me, everyone. Love you, Raider Nation! Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.